The Word of God for uh, our meditation um, from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, what we just heard. St. Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. And yes, you may be seated. Before we begin, I, uh, I had not mentioned that many of you with bulletins, um, some of you know exactly what to do with these. There's a little tear-off slip on the uh, edge of your worship folder. Um, if you are at all able to fill out the attendance part, uh, certainly we would invite you to do that and, um, and, and turn those in. That, that is very helpful to us. But it also has uh, another place where you can put prayer requests and, and you can share if you'd like to have a contact. Um, if uh, you're a guest with us and have never been here before, um, this would be the place where you could put uh, your address and, and, and contact information if you'd like us to, to follow up. So I just wanted to point that out because sometimes these get lost and forgotten and so forth, or we don't have a pen, right? So, but that's for that. I am what I am. Or should I say... I am what I am. I Popeye the Sailor Man. I Popeye the Sailor Man. I am what I am and that's all what I am. I Popeye the Sailor Man. Okay. Who of you will admit that you actually saw those when they were run the first time? <laughs> you remember, huh? Popeye and olive oil, and who was the guy who'd gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today? Wimpy, yes. Uh, so anyway, Popeye. Boys and girls, I don't know if you've ever seen that before or heard of Popeye, but the moral of the story of him, eat your spinach, because incredible things happen if you eat your spinach. No, seriously, he said, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. And so today, those words that we heard actually originally perhaps came from Paul. I am what I am. It's a great statement. I think we all maybe have used it or thought of it. But before we get to talk about that, perhaps this is a case of a statement or an answer in search of a question. And to me, that's even more important, and that is before we can say, I am what I am, we might want to know who we are. What are we? And so let's ask the question, who am I, or what am I? And so in order to do that, um, let's get a, quote, scientific definition. I do have an outline in your worship folder. If you're following along, that might be helpful for you. But anyway, here's the scientific definition. It says this, a human being is a man, woman, or a child of the species Homo sapiens, distinguished from other animals by superior mental development, power of articulate speech, and upright stance. Now, that's not the only definition that's out there. In fact, there's one that, um, as, as a Christian, I would look to the Bible to give me a definition of a human being. And this is from Genesis chapter 1. It said, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So on the one hand, 
We have a definition that says you and I, as human beings, are simply a more highly developed animal. And in contrast to that, the Bible says that we, you and me, are a creature who is made in the image of God. Believe it or not, how you answer the question, who am I, makes a huge difference in how we live. Maybe, maybe we can begin to understand that what we see in our society, especially in light of some of the legislation that was passed and and made the news and and some other legislation that was proposed and and so forth, when it comes to the value of human life and, and and the time frame in which there are those in society which would say, you know what, if you don't want this life, you can end it. You can eliminate it, even, even after, after it's born. Now, the reason I bring that up is because if we see ourselves as just simply a highly developed animal, then we can say, well, an animal gets its value from whether it's wanted or not. But if we see that human being is someone created in the image of God, that's a whole different, that's a whole different situation. Because we know that from even the moment of conception, God knows us individually. And that life, human life, is his. It's different. It's in his image and it's precious and should be protected and preserved in whatever way we can. It makes a huge difference how we answer the question, who am I? But one of the things that we must recognize is that if we are human beings made in the image of God, who of us would like to stand up and say, look at me. If you look at me, people, I am a good reflection of what God looks like. Any volunteers out there? I didn't think so. My hand goes down pretty quick. Because if we are made in the image of God, we're supposed to reflect Him and live like God, live in perfect love for everyone and how often we fail. God understands this. He knows that from the moment that Adam and Eve transgressed His Boundaries, they crossed the line and disobeyed God. Well, sin has been a part of our universe ever since. And in fact, it got so bad in the days before Noah. Well, this is what God says. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That sound like you and me? It is our condition apart from God. We are by nature sinful and unclean. One of our older confessions of sins in our, in our Lutheran tradition used to use these words, uh, that we would ask God to be merciful to me, a poor, miserable sinner. 
Now, there might be those that would say, my goodness, where's your self-esteem? Where is your self-respect? I mean, if you look at yourself as just this poor, miserable sinner, that, that can't be healthy. Is that healthy for, for you or is that healthy for our children? Well, I guess it all depends on terms of what happens with that. In fact, it depends on how we would make the statement in answer to who I am, even as a poor, miserable sinner, how it is that we say, I am what I am. St. Paul, in his life, uh, not sure how familiar you are with his story. His, his name was Saul at the time, and um, he made it very clear that his life was contrary to God's will. And he was a self-righteous Pharisee. He was the one who would point fingers at you and you and you because you weren't doing something right. That you maybe scratched your nose the wrong way, or maybe you wore your hair the wrong way, or maybe you walked the wrong way. Now, that's extreme. But the Pharisees, that's the kind of stuff they focused on. And he was one who was so upset when there was this group called Christians who, who believed in Jesus, who, who said you would live by grace. He did everything he could to destroy the church, even kill Christians. And so as he writes here, when he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, he knows what he's talking about. In our words from our Corinthians passage, he says that I'm one like who is untimely born. He says that I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He once wrote to Timothy, he said, this is a trustworthy saying, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Do you see yourself that way? There's a risk. But when we compare ourselves to the Almighty, it's the truth. Now, who am I? A poor sinner. What's the way that we would say, I am what I am? Like I said, it depends how you mean that. Let me give you a couple examples of... uh, of those who might say, I am what I am. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, he's got a shirt on that says, this is who I am. Nobody said you had to like it. Amen? I think I feel that way quite a bit. Um, Kurt Cobain, I don't know, some of you 90s people from Nirvana or whatever, he said something like this, I'd rather be hated for who I am that loved for who, than loved for whom I am not. In other words, he didn't want to have to put on pretend and be nice to people and so forth just to get them to love him. He wanted to be himself, and if that meant people hated him, so be it. Some of you may know that the end of his story is pretty tragic. And then we have this young lady who I would guess does not like this picture of herself, hopefully. But she says this, I am who I am. Your approval is not needed. Such responses to God's truth. I am what I am. 
In this case, I would say it's given in the spirit of defiance. And that's what that D under that, uh, that phrase means. That, that those, there's a time where we say in defiance, I am what I am. In other words, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. And in fact, maybe even we say to God, I don't care what you think. I am who I am. And that's all that matters. And that's how it's going to be. That's defiance. And yet, some would say, hey, what about it when, you know, don't we have to, quote, accept ourselves? And, and don't we need to be in a place where we can say, I am who I am? Well, I think there's a difference. And I'd like to illustrate it this way. Those of you who know me know that I happen to be visually impaired. And I have very poor vision, enough to, enough to get around, enough to be, quote, dangerous, so to speak. But in a condition or a situation like this, um, the darker it is, uh, part of my visual uh, impairment and disease is, um, is uh, low light, uh, you know, being very restricted. So it puts me in some awkward positions at times socially, not being able to see people, know who they are, not being able to see a hand or, uh, or, a, or a child wanting to give me a high five, much less see the child in some cases. Um, um, it just, it puts me in some very difficult spots, and, um, and that's a burden that I carry. And, and there are times where I, I wrestle with that and say, I should be doing better, and, and I got to find ways to do better about this. But then there comes a point where I think I'm able to say, I am what I am. In other words, the visual impairment that I have is, is nothing that I have done. And in fact, this is just the way things are, and, and that's who I am. But that would be different than if you would, I would take a look at my life and say, you know, Joel, you're a pretty, um, pretty conceited, arrogant person. And um, you kind of lose your temper pretty quickly. You can get kind of testy and gruff. You can dismiss people. You can treat them without the patience that they deserve. And you can have desires that are not according to God's will. And one response would be, hey, I am what I am. Deal with it. So what's the difference? The difference can be very sophisticated at times, but it deals with the fact that on the one hand, we may be dealing with circumstances in our life that we have no control over, and then we may be dealing with things in our life that we do have control over. And just because I may be, quote, born with a short temper does not give me the right to say, I can lose my temper whenever I want, that's who I am, and you better live with it. And just because I may be born as a pretty conceited, arrogant person does not give me the right to walk around as if I'm better than everyone else. Why not? Because God in His Word has given us, has given us the guidelines, the guidance on how we're supposed to live. That instead of saying, I am who I am, no, God's word comes to us and say, okay, you may have a short temper, you may be impatient, but guess what? By God's grace, you can in fact work on these things. You can in fact wrestle with these things, learn how to, how to deal with them and how to let 
the grace of God grow in your life. There's a difference there. And I wonder sometimes how much we hide behind the I am what I am and that's all there is to it. There is another way that we could look at um, the way we would say uh, that phrase, and that would be out of a sense of despair. I am who I am. We get a little taste of this in the the lesson from Jeremiah chapter 17 we read before. Um, God describes him like this. He says, he is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good uh, come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Does that sound like your vacation destination? I hope you haven't been there. And in fact, I hope you aren't there now. But maybe you have been. And maybe you are. Because of things that have taken place in your life, maybe you're in a place that you feel completely all alone. It feels like a parched desert. It feels like nobody cares. Nobody's there. It's a hopeless, joyless, loveless place to be. And we may give up, throw up our hands and say, I am what I am. It is what it is. And there's nothing I can do about it. And cry out in despair. If that's the case, then I also want you to hear what the Scriptures also say. That even to those who are in that place of despair, Jesus comes along with the Beatitudes. Did you you recognize those at all in the reading from Luke? When he says, blessed are those who are poor. Blessed are those who are hungry. Blessed are those who weep and mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted, he says. How can that be? Because, he says, there is hope in Jesus. I don't care how much despair you are or may experience. We are never too far from God's grace to lack hope. And that brings us to, I think, the final way that We should be able to say, I am what I am. And that is exactly as St. Paul says it, out of a sense of grace. He says this, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. In other words, whatever he was, whatever he had, he recognized that it all came from God. He owned up to his past, how terrible he was, but now God had chosen him to be in a position of of having a very special mission to take the love of Jesus to, to people that didn't know about it. And in fact, he was one of the, quote, apostles. But apparently there was some uh, disagreement in the church about that. Imagine that there was disagreement in the church, even in the early church. Because there were those that were saying, now apostles, the real guys, now that's Peter, James, John, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, you know, and so forth. But Paul, come on, he persecuted the church. My goodness, he wanted to kill Christians. This guy's no apostle. I don't care what he says. He's he's claiming fame for himself. But Paul said, no, 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 no. 
No, it's by the grace of God I am what I am. It is completely his doing everything that he had and who he was and the privilege that he had to share the gospel came about solely because of God's grace. Now, if that's the case, then if we have the question and we have the answer, now what about the response? Now, there are those who even to this day, look at things like God's grace and just say, that's not fair. You're going to tell me that a guy like uh, a mass murderer, if he repents and says he's sorry, that, that his sins are forgiven and that he would get to go to heaven? That's offensive. That's scandalous. That's a stumbling block. For people to say, how could that be? You mean we can just do whatever we want in our life, we can, we can sin all we want, and all we have to do is at the end say, well, I believe in Jesus, please forgive me, and, and we're forgiven, and then we get into heaven? The answer? Yes. But... Paul was asked that question, and in the book of Romans, he he takes an opportunity to answer that that obvious question. Because as I've got in the sermon outline, he, he writes this, you know, in response to this grace of God, shall I continue in sin that grace may abound? That's what some people would say. Well, keep on sinning. That way God keeps pouring on more grace, more grace, and, and everything's good, right? You know what Paul's response to that was? By no means, no way, no how. That is not what's supposed to happen. Just because we've been forgiven everything and we are right with God now, we don't want to go out and just keep on sinning. Absolutely not. Because somebody who has truly been touched by the grace of God in their hearts, well, they're different. And so that's where we have now the response that Paul gives us in this writing. We don't continue in sin, but rather, he says, his grace toward me was not in vain, which means for nothing. God didn't just give grace to Paul so that he could then just do whatever he wanted and not care about God until the end of his life. He didn't give Paul grace so that he could just sit back and relax and, and just do you know, his own thing and not pay attention to what God's plan was. No. No, God had a special job for him. His grace was towards Paul so that he could use Paul to touch so many other people with his grace. So when Paul received that grace, when he was converted, when when he was changed by the, the power of the Spirit, he received that grace. And then he goes on to say, I worked harder than any of them. He's talking about the other apostles. Again, there were those that questioned his apostleship. And he says, I worked harder than any of them because, I mean, I have the worst reputation. God chose me, and I wanted to demonstrate that, that, yes, his grace was not in vain. What do you think he worked harder at? Something tells me he got into the Word. 
Something tells me he went back to all of the word that he had learned when he was a kid, but he studied it more now from the perspective of grace instead of the law. I bet he spent lots of time on his knees in prayer. I bet he was pleading with God to change him, to help him so that he didn't have those those other uh, foibles and, and to overcome some of the weaknesses in his personality and character. I bet he looked for every opportunity he could to do good, to see someone in help, and instead of threaten them, to go and be of service to them, to comfort, to encourage, to correct, to guide. I think that's what it means when he says, I worked harder than any of them. Not in a competitive way against them, but just to demonstrate that God's grace is what makes the difference. He says, it's not I that worked, but it was the grace of God in me. You see how this works? If we, in fact, believe that we are poor, miserable sinners, but that we are poor, miserable sinners who have been shown grace, then it's by grace we can say, I am what I am. And I'm going to work all the more harder than ever in order to carry out the plan that God has for me in my life because this grace is not going to be in vain. It's not just for me. This grace is for others as well. And that's the bottom line. That's how he concludes this verse. He says, whether it was the other apostles who preached or whether it was I who preached to you, Corinthians, he says, we preached and you believed. That's the goal, that others might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and by believing in Him may have life, so that others may come to the point where they know who they are, and they can say, I am what I am by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. In His name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.